Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. It was just like any other day when Abe Awabdi and John Vitality headed for their varsity tennis courts at Cedarville University on July 8, 2022. Abe and John were in the middle of their tennis match when John turned around to see his partner flat on his back going into cardiac arrest. Listen to this amazing story with your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, and hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, and today is the first time in the history of the Cedarville Story podcast that we are doing something totally different. What is that, you ask? Well, today we are recording the program before a live studio audience, so if you hear laughter or clapping, you'll know why. We are recording the program in front of the uh, ReConnect group, about 90 retirees from Cedarville University for the start of the academic year. And if you are a former Cedarville employee and want to learn more about how to attend the ReConnect launch, I encourage you to uh, email Mike DeKerchi at DeKerchi at cedarville.edu. He'd love to talk with you about the program. Today on the program, though, I'm talking with Ava Wabdi, his wife Judy, and their friend John Vitality about a memorable day that they will never forget. We'll dive into the life-saving details in a moment, but first, Ava Wabdi is a friend of Cedarville University, a longtime friend of the university. His wife Judy is a 1964 graduate of Cedarville University and a longtime employee of Cedarville. And John Vitality is a mutual friend of the Wabdis. And he's a retired anesthesiologist and has been playing tennis with Abe and other Cedarville faculty for many, many years. So that's where I want to begin the podcast today. And so my first question um, is, how long, Abe, have you been playing tennis with John? John and I talked about it perhaps 14, 15 years. Okay, so I have to ask the follow-up question. Maybe it's fair to ask you, John. Who's the better tennis player? Abe is better. Thank you, John. (laughs) <laughs> we, we, we actually started off playing racquetball about okay. 15 years ago, and we've transitioned to tennis and racquetball, but, but Abe is an excellent racquetball player and an excellent tennis player. So let's focus on a specific tennis match that you were playing this past summer, on July 8th to be exact. Abe, I'm going to be somewhat vague here because I don't want you to give away the whole story, even though probably many know the story, but can you set the stage for us? to the point just before John became really involved in your situation? I think my memory is that we were playing sets and we didn't want to play tiebreakers. We kept going till 8 to 7 or 9 to to 8. So we were ahead one game and that's when I collapsed. So you were almost done with the match? Or yes. the game. Yeah, well, no, we were going to keep going. Keep going, because you, <laughs> you guys play a lot of tennis. Yes. Yeah. So what happened next, Abe? Do you, do you recall? That's the strangest part is that I do not recall anything after that. Okay, so let me turn the conversation to John. What happened next, John? Well, as Abe said, <clears throat> we were uh, in our first set. It was tied 8-8, and then we went up 8-9, and I turned around. Abe and I were partners. Who were you playing against? We were playing against Jeff Short and David Peabody. Okay. So there were four of us on the court. Uh, I turned around, and Abe was flat on his back. He was unresponsive, and he was in cardiac arrest. So you had no, you had no understanding of this at all? The only thing you remember is what people have told you since. Right. Okay. 
So, John, um, you worked many years in healthcare as an anesthesiologist. From your perspective, how were you able to literally save Abe's life? Not just you, but the, the quick responders, the, the healthcare responders. How, how did that happen? What happened next? Well, um, we identified that he was uh, in cardiac arrest, and um, Jeff Short was assisting me. Okay. David Peabody, who's a marathon runner, was calling 911 and running to bring the first the uh, first responders over, and so it was a joint effort. And uh, I started uh, cardiac compression immediately, and. Uh, we continued cardiac compression, and the Cedarville uh, University uh, uh, emergency team responded, uh, led by Don Parvin, and uh, we continued cardiac compression, and they had uh, an automatic uh, external defibrillator, which was applied, and uh, which recognized that he was in ventricular fibrillation and gave him a shock, and yeah. everything was set. Uh, for that to come to fruition, but God put us all there. He did. I, I have to backtrack, and I am the person who makes out the schedule. However, I'd been away for a week, and so the schedule was being made by other people like Abe, and I came back a day before, and I called Abe, and he said he had one spot left on the tennis court, and would I care to join him? And I said, sure. And so we played together. Wow. So, uh, you know, we, we, we had all the uh, technology available, but God set the stage and, uh, you know, just used yeah. us because he wanted Dave to live. He wanted you back there to, to play that key role. So I, I, I was part of it. You were part of it. Now, wasn't the, didn't the um, village of Cedarville EMS come? They, they came, too. I, I would say that uh, Cedarville University responded uh, within just a few minutes. It's very hard to gauge time when you're doing CPR. And then the, uh, the village of Cedarville uh, responded just a few minutes after that. Right. So a very, very quick response. Was there a time in your mind, John, that you thought Abe was not going to survive? Well, I recognized that his heart had stopped. So that's always... A bad thing, uh, but they're really good point. And, and, and so I, I, I knew, I knew that uh, you know he might not survive, but um, I knew what I had to do, and I, and I did did CPR. Uh, there really wasn't time to worry about it. I, I did recall in my mind that during many, many matches that Abe and I played as partners that I would often say to him when he was working hard in the t on the tennis court, I said, Abe, if you collapse, what am I going to say to Judy? Oh, wow. <laughs> you had that, I, mean, I, I want to get there in a minute because you had that opportunity later on in the day, but we'll get there in a second. So um, when, when did you first get a glimpse of hope that he was going to make it? Uh, when they defibrillator uh, went off and, you know, he, he, responded. he responded and had a, had a pulse and then, you know, started to uh, uh, move a little bit. Okay. And we were encouraged. Um, we, we knew that his, that his heart was back and that he had a pulse, but you always wonder uh, whether, you know, he would have suffered some anoxia. But praise God, he made a good recovery. 
Now, for those listening on the podcast and those here in the live studio audience, according to national statistics, only 12% of people survive the cardiac arrest that Abe experienced that day. Only 12%. Abe, I'm going to go to you. That's a very sobering statistic. When you realize that only 12% survive, you're one of the 12, you're one of the few, what thoughts go to your mind? Well, it seems unrealistic uh, to me, and I somehow I don't, I didn't think of it uh, that seriously till after it was obvious, obviously, but uh, I, I want to kind of reword my thinking here. I was completely out. Right. I didn't know the effect of this cardiac arrest. So in a sense, two thoughts came to my mind. It's so easy to go to heaven. Mm. And yet, the other thought is that I would leave my wife and family behind suffering. So in a sense, uh, the 12% was unexpected, something I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah. I'm going to pull an audible here, Judy. And Mm. when you heard that only 12% survived, and, and since then, talk about the blessing of the Lord on you and your family to have Abe still with us today. Well, it's one day at a time. Each day, I thank the Lord. I mean, since that time, we've been able to celebrate an anniversary, visit all of our children, even overseas. And um, we don't take any, I don't take anything for granted anymore. Did you used to? Probably more so. You know, I'm an organized person. Everything lined up. You know me, Mark. Well, I remember those meetings where everything was (laughs) color-coded. Yeah. That was Judy. That's for another podcast. But uh, so how is is your life today, Abe? And Uh, I want to say slowly I want to – I'm very anxious to get back to the tennis school I was. And Judy slowed me down because we were making this big trip to the Middle East and said, then I cannot convince myself not to go back quickly to the tennis courts. And I'm glad I didn't. Uh, I'm glad I listened to my wife. But you played tennis this morning, right? Oh, yeah. I've been playing three times now, John. <laughs> That's right. We, we played tennis this morning. I was playing against Abe. Okay. And I lost. Really? Abe, Abe won, yeah. My recommendation to you, Abe, is whenever you play tennis, make sure John's with you. Yes. <laughs> I don't care about the tennis part, but it's the it's right. life thing that's more important. So, Judy, uh, as we move through the podcast, um, I want to talk to you about when you first heard. So I, uh, I know you were swimming at an area facility at the time when you heard the news. How did you first learn of Abe's cardiac arrest? So one of the staff members from the Y came into the locker room and said, John Vitality is here to see you. And my heart just died. That's not good news. No, because two years ago, John had to see me from the tennis courts when Abe had a concussion and needed five stints. So I knew this was probably not any good news. So I came out of the locker room. They gave me a chair to sit down at the Y. And um, John explained what had happened. And... My friend Becky was there, and she helped me understand because my mind just really was going in all directions. So then, of course, I knew I wanted to go to the hospital and be with him. 
but you have to understand I needed my knitting because I knew it was going to be a long day. So <laughs> I went home and got my knitting first, and I guess I must have had faith that he was going to be okay since I yeah. didn't rush to the hospital. But when I got there, I just couldn't believe what I saw. I wasn't ready. You know, he was intubated, mm. he was sedated, tubes coming out, um, and his eyes were rolled back, and I really thought I, we were going to lose him. Mm. But it was probably only 10 minutes later that two of uh, the elders from our church came, started reading scripture, praying. Um, Abe the next day doesn't remember them at all, but they were such an encouragement to me. The Lord had sent them for me. And um, it was just a real blessing. The hospital did a really good job. Um, the ICU nurse was even a CU grad. Oh, that's special. Mm -hmm. It was. She took good care. So um, when did you first uh, get the hope or confidence that you thought Abe was going to make it? Probably after the next day when they did the implant and we were meeting with doctors and uh, uh, saw that there was a pathway ahead that was going to be different for us, but uh, it was encouraging. What kind of implant? It was um, a combination pacemaker ICD. Okay, and that's something he wears the rest of his life? Yeah. Okay. So you talk about his recovery. That's a fascinating part of the story because if, as what I, heard, if what I heard was correct, it was just a matter of like three days or so that you were back home. That seems really, I'm gonna, I was going to ask you, Abe, but I'm going to go to John as a doctor. How rare is that? Well, if you have a cardiac arrest, you know, it's rare to survive. Right. But uh, he did, and he, uh, thank God, didn't have any uh, brain damage. And they gave him a device which is intended to, uh, to monitor and to uh, give him an electrical shock if he has a rhythm that looks bad. Yeah. So he now is in better shape, so to speak, with this device. And uh, we're still in the Lord's hands. We never know when our appointed time is. But he does have this device, so that kind of checks that box, so to speak. So as a follow-up to that, both Abe and Judy, uh, did, did your quick recovery, Abe, surprise either one of you? I think it surprised me. Did it surprise you? No, it really didn't. I, <laughs> I, I have to give a, a reason for it. My grandpa lived to 112 years of age. Really? So I'm thinking maybe this device will keep me going that long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, they're lacking chips for it. I won't get it for four months. So this is a loner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a loner. Fortunately, they follow through without the chip. Okay. So Judy, you were surprised. Why? And how does how is that how does that impact you each day? Just to live each day as if it's a fresh new day. You know, we went overseas and uh, the temperature was 110, and he wanted to be playing tennis, but he really didn't do much of that over there with the children in the courtyard. But um, I don't know. I just think that I thank the Lord more and. Uh, I'm closer to the Lord because of it. So you put your foot down right away that he wasn't going to play tennis, at least until you got back from your foreign or international trip. 
But now it's okay for him to play tennis. Does, does he have the, the green light to go whenever he wants? Or yes, you still he does. He does, it? and that's better than depression, right? Right. Because I think he would be very depressed if he didn't play. Yeah. Now, Abe, do you have any uh, regular follow-up appointments with doctors, or they say come yeah, back whenever you don't I feel do well? I do the 15th of September uh, monitor the, uh, the chip and the blood pressure at a certain level and it's low and high and maybe they need to adjust it. I'm okay. not sure what that step is. So when does the chip come, did you say? When do you expect it? Four months as of when they sit it in, so probably another. Around Thanksgiving time then? Yeah, probably. That, that'll be something to be thankful for. Yeah. It's something that sits in your bedroom at night and monitors it all night long. Oh, really? And that's what the chip is in. So it's not something that they'll implant in you anymore. No. It's, it's, a, it's a monitoring device. Monitoring device. Monitoring, yes. But it's in the device, and this is probably like a secondary box that sits by the bed. Yeah. If I ever had the shock, right. I'm hoping that I won't have a shock. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> they said it feels like you've been kicked with a horse, and you fall over. It, that, that, if he has a shock. Yeah. Do you have any symptoms, any issues today? No, no. Feel great. Feel better than ever? As a matter of fact, yes. I don't feel as tired as he used to. No wonder he's beating you, John. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yep. So as we, we, we begin to wrap up the podcast, you know, I want to bring it back to more um, philosophical, biblical uh, concept. As, what kind of lessons... Have all three of you learned? I'll give you all the opportunity to talk, but we'll start with A. What, what lessons have you learned as a result of this total experience? Appreciate people, family first and then friends. Uh, try to be, make my wife happy somehow by not arguing with her as much. <laughs> I think she appreciates that. <laughs> yes. Uh, just be thankful and also thankful for our church. We have great pastor now and good elders. And it's kind of bringing in a new light into appreciating the church and the people and my family. Okay. How about you, Judy? Um, well, you know, Abe comes from the Middle East, and one of the great um, values in the Middle East is hospitality. And... Um, we really enjoy serving the students, and we've had a lot of opportunity to host them. Uh, and just this weekend, uh, our grandson, who's new at Cedarville, brought over eight friends for dinner. So we're not slowing down yet. <laughs> don't. Keep going. How about you, John? Well, I don't have anything specific to say other than uh, stay close to the Lord. It's the safest place to be. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, I'm going to go back to... Abe and Judy for a moment. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So, you know, I asked, I asked how this has impacted your life, but how has it impacted your kids' life and their kids' life, your grandkids? Has, has it, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys are really a close-knit family as it is, mm -hmm. but did this bring you guys closer? Uh, explain that if you could. Well, you know, there was a sentence at the bottom of the article that went out, and it said, these, um, Circumstances point to divine intervention, said Vitality. God put me there at the right moment because the Lord had more plans for Abe. And I think our children are thinking of what more plans, and um, I know they're appreciating us more. 
Yeah. What are your What are your plans for the future? <laughs> now that you have another lease we'll, on life, we'll be going to Florida one more winter. Okay. Uh, but I did notice just, you know, sensed that my family was a little bit closer to me, and yeah. some of them were very they hugged me longer. You yeah. know, that kind of feeling. That's so, nice. Yeah. That's nice. Well, then if they stop doing that, maybe we could simulate something <laughs> for the future. Yeah. Wow, we, I better keep moving on that one. <laughs> I don't even know where to go on that one. Um, I prepared one more question, and I'm going to ask it to Judy. Um, what advice would you give people who are listening to this podcast or here today in the, in the auditorium, in the room that we're speaking, to help them avoid a situation like what Abe and you have experienced? What, what would you share to them? Well, you know, I really couldn't avoid it because he had no warning signs. He always felt very healthy. So I guess you've got to um, just be in close contact, abiding with the Lord, because you don't know what's going to come along in life. And you've got to uh, go with the flow and um, keep trusting every day. Okay. John and Abe, any, any advice? I, I can give some practical advice, which is speculation on my part. Um, I had been away, uh, and uh, it had been very hot throughout the United States. And Abe had been playing tennis for several days in a row. And uh, I found out that you know, many of the players felt that they were dehydrated. And it was very hot the day we were playing. And as you get older, your thirst mechanism uh, is reduced. You don't drink as much fluid. And it's possible mm. that Abe was slightly dehydrated. And so we have to be aware of that. That's a practical point. It's yeah. speculation. Uh, and Abe's no spring chicken. He what, are you 81? 81. It's phenomenal. You, you look like you're in great health. I want to thank you for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. It was, it was kind of fun to do it with people in the room listening, laughing, um, and just being part of the, of the podcast. But thanks for being transparent and sharing your story, Abe, Judy, and John. It's great to have you on the program. Good job. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.